Welcome to the Software Lifecycle Stories podcast. We bring you stories of what worked and sometimes what did not in the course of discovering, designing, developing, delivering and using software-based solutions as shared by practitioners who went through these situations. Today, my guest is Annie Abraham, Head of Financing IT and Group-Wide Process for Danske IT and Support Services in Bangalore. She shares her thoughts and experiences with transformation and modernization projects, applying agile approaches in a large program, women and agile, whether agile ways of working is women-friendly, finding one's own rhythm to balance responsibilities at work and home, and some tips for those starting out on their careers. Listen on. Hi, Annie. Welcome to the show. Hello, Shiv. Thanks yeah, as, for the yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes. Yeah, as you know, we've been trying to feature uh, you know, people who've been associated with software, their experiences, more from a point of cataloging them so that it is useful for others. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the things that you've gone through, you've learned it uh, maybe the hard way or some things that uh, mm. suddenly became a wow moment for you, you know, would definitely be useful. And usually mm-hmm. we start with another uh, guest doing a self-introduction. Okay. So introduce yourself, your career. Then sure. From there. Sure. Um, so I have been in the software industry for over 22 plus years. And I have worked in several organizations, uh, but uh, the longest I had was with HCL Technologies. Um, a lot of experiences with uh, um, modernization uh, projects and programs, for large ones, uh, which uh, transformed the bank. So that is has been the foundation of my career. I have also worked a lot of um, a lot of time on agile. And uh, which is today like really uh, is important for all assignments that we do. Um, and uh, currently I am uh, with uh, Danske, ba- Danske Bank soft subsidiary, uh, Danske IT, and uh, heading the financing IT and group-wide process uh, for the Danske Bank. And this is a captive, uh, which is uh, run out of Bangalore. Oh, very nice. Uh, actually, this triggers a few questions. You said that you have been associated with a lot of modernization and transformation efforts. Yeah. Uh, from what everybody sees as the financial institutions, there are a lot of regulatory compliances plus restrictions that are there. Mm-hmm. So working in those kinds of environments, how easy or difficult have you found this whole concept of modernization or changing something? And how have you gone about it? Yeah, so from my experience, uh, when I look uh, look behind where I have done the initial days uh, while I was working with um, HCL, at that time, we did a lot of modernization for Deutsche Bank. And uh, we um, actually had a lot of systems uh, applications that were run uh, run in multiple technologies. And uh, the, the challenge was how to have a, a, a single architecture, a common architecture, so th- and so that you know, a lot of uh, efforts are saved with respect to 
I mean, there are many benefits if I see that way. If I look at, uh, you know, the people skills or uh, to find people skills for the old and uh, as the uh, enhancements need to be done, it's quite difficult to do in old. So having a common architecture always helped. But in the first stage, uh, when we did it, it was more like an as-is. And sometimes that does not bring a lot of benefit to the, to the uh, uh, business users. But yet you need to do it because if it has to be kept... Um, for the lights on itself, sometimes these kind of uh, modernizations is very important. And currently what we are doing here in, um, in, our, in my current organization, the important uh, aspect here is how we can uh, quickly turn around solutions for customers and get a customer a better customer experience. So there are different reasons that you would do modernization, but that is something that is required. And that is the journey that I think um, I have taken several times in, uh, in my uh, career uh, so far. Uh, okay. Yeah, so in these uh, modernizations, what I understand is that you took a kind of a step back, looked at the overall architecture. It is not just about taking old code and then converting it into a new language or a new uh, target platform. So when you do something like that, how about any of the non-technical aspects. That is, you may have to have interacted with uh, the architects who had designed the old systems or who may not be familiar with some of the new technologies that you may be proposing. So how do you handle the, the softer aspects or the non-technical aspects related to this? So um, to give an example, when we were doing some uh, modernization with, uh, with the really old technology like Clipper, there was no chance that the uh, old um, uh, the architects who were working on that technology would have understood a .NET uh, SOA-based architecture. So it is important to involve them because definitely they understand uh, the non-technical aspects, uh, the non um, uh, the, the, the non-technical aspects of the systems. And uh, so we had to uh, we um, included them into understanding. Uh, from them, how the system has to be used, what are the, uh, you know, the requirements uh, that may be uh, not from the functional angle, but what else is required. So in one of, uh, in one of the assignments, recent assignments, um, we were actually modernizing a, a large public sector um, uh, application, and it also had a lot of new features that had to be added in. And this system was developed uh, about 12 or 15 years back. And this was a new, a new system that we had to do in .NET MVC. Now, the architect uh, who had actually worked on this um, was uh, also there. And uh, the person was uh, very um, apprehensive on how uh, we would uh, take this forward. Because uh, before I joined the team, the architect... Um, who was actually the, the current architect for the project was not involving the old uh, architect uh, in the in the journey and that was becoming a major issue because uh, definitely the the person who has uh, developed the old system uh, knew a lot of um, issues that uh, existed and how complicated the database design was in the past and how we should what are the aspects we need to change so this is one aspect that i felt that if we had not involved the old architect into the designing the new database, it would have been a major nightmare because to transition or to, to migrate the data from the old system to the new system would have become next to impossible because the, the system uh, had 
I mean, so much of data in the old system and we were just trying to change it to the new, but keeping the database design in a way that you can migrate was very, very, very critical. And that if we would have missed out, the project would have failed. So this is one of the examples that, you know, why we need to have the old, um, you know, team who has worked on the old system. So like that, I can actually quote many examples, but this is one of the critical things I felt was, uh, was important, otherwise we would have failed. Mm, very interesting. So that is from the view of uh, re-architecting or designing. But you mentioned that uh, some of the technologies that you had to handle included the Clipper. Okay. Um, yes. I don't know how many of our uh, listeners would know about Clipper. But um, hmm. when you had to have this kind of a mixed workload in your team, were there any challenges hmm. where uh, team members prefer to work only on the latest and greatest and say, I don't want to work on Clipper? How do you handle that? Or how do you bring in that yes. balance of diversity in technology? Yes. So um, in this particular example that where we were my, where we were asked to redevelop, you cannot migrate. So we have to redevelop whatever was there in Clipper to a new technology. And that at that point, it was .NET SOA and this talk. So uh, the, the challenge that uh, we had definitely was these, uh, the old system was not scaling up and we had to um, redevelop the whole thing. So we had to, uh, I think we had about three uh, developers who were uh, Clipper um, uh, specialists and they were the people who would support the old system. Now, uh, to develop the new system, we definitely required their help also. And we required people who were there in the in the business as well as in the technology in the bank to help us because this system was developed i don't know how many years back it must have been 20 25 years back and knowledge was not there anywhere so there was the knowledge it was in the people who were supporting the system and who were using the system so we tried to do some kind of documentation on this uh, as a part of at that point like you know we started off with waterfall and did some documentation and all of that but it only helped us to give a high-level overview of the whole system. The system was really big. It was managing the entire uh, business operations in UK. So now the people who are supporting definitely wanted to move to the new technology, but it was extremely difficult for them at that time because they really needed to support the system as well as they needed to uh, help us to get this system um, understood by the developers, the new developers who were there on the new technology, and to keep both these things going. Now, to it is extremely difficult um, for them to immediately move to a new technology. So the work that, uh, the way we worked it out was we hired some more people uh, so that they could support the old system with the help of these new, uh, the old team. And the old team was supposed to help us to, you know, um, uh, reverse engineer the code in some manner uh, work with the t with the with the new developers as experts on the old system and we gave them that visibility that you need to be able to help the new developers to develop this system because any any amount of written documentation is not going to help so we have to break the system down into small chunks of uh, different modules and at that point we started developing it in that manner with their help the first time the cio actually said that uh, after we had a few iterations of this, um, uh, he said that, yeah, I can see light 
um, down the tunnel because this system was supposed was uh, actually um, uh, tried out with um, COTS uh, app, uh, systems and they could not. They had failed some three, four times and there were, the only option was left was to rebuild it. There was no system that was available that could, serve, uh, that could uh, sufficiently enable them for all the features that they had in their old system. So that way, the, uh, the team that was there uh, did not technically move to the new technology, but they were the SMEs, the people who would certify that, yeah, you have developed the system well. They had started also looking at testing. So they were more acting like business uh, for us. And uh, even when we did the user acceptance test, they were also a part of the business team as user acceptance, um, as the users. And uh, so it really worked out brilliantly for the Clipper system for us. Mm, that's nice. That seems to be a lot of moving parts that you had to handle. Yes, yes. Also mentioned, um, I don't remember if it was in this context or a little later, about uh, wanting quick turnarounds for the customers and using agile approaches. Some of the things that yes. you described uh, in terms of breaking this big monolith into maybe smaller mm. problems. Monolith, yeah. yeah. Small things. Mm. So, yeah. so what is your take on Agile, whether you used it for this assignment or later? And how do you see your own transformation yeah. from a, say, traditional management approaches to Agile ways of working? Yeah, so I actually learned it a very hard way, I would say, because initially when uh, when I was doing the uh, re-engineering and redevelopment of several systems, um, that was at, at a point we had at least about, uh, I mean, big and small, about 15, 20 systems happen, uh, being migrated, developed into the same uh, .NET SOA architecture. So at that point, I mean, I was not very well versed. This was very many, many years back, uh, I think maybe 15 years or something. But uh, at that point, I was not very well versed with um, Agile, uh, but definitely the it existed. And what we did was we just started uh, working in iterations and worked in that manner. But And we did an upfront requirements gathering for certs, uh, and which I felt later we never used those documents in that manner that they were created. So uh, when I moved on uh, later, then I also set up uh, Agile COEs and I actually understood, learned the concepts and uh, saw the benefits as we rolled it out uh, across the organization. Uh, later, uh, later, I was able to use all those learnings in few of the projects that uh, I executed. And the, the best part of it was one of the um, large programs that we were working for uh, a public sector uh, was completely the, the whole program was in red because the, there were huge penalties if we did not make the deadlines uh, for those program for that uh, program and uh, it was a very large system that we had to develop and uh, here also it was uh, important that um, you know the whole uh, requirements gathering was already done in some manner in documents and all of that and the people were just given uh, the whole document the if you say there the document were divided into uh, you know 100 sections you take one section and say, okay, go ahead and develop. So that's a waterfall. You take the requirements and you're starting to develop uh, with the architecture that has been laid out. So uh, it was not going well at all because there was a lot of missing requirements. People were uh, interpreting it in the manner that they wanted to. So there was no prioritization of the requirements. Just the module was taken, uh, the section was taken, whoever could develop whatever features, it was happening in that manner. So 
you know we could we could not even see whether um the section was 100% complete could be completed it could not be completed because there were dependencies on other things and so i realized that this is not going to go anywhere so when i stepped the uh, that program uh, first thing i tried to create was started on the product backlog and we created uh, not the 100% product backlog but what we could start with and we started doing that and we had four parallel uh, scrum teams that were uh, created so that we could because there was a the, the speed was critical here we needed to move on uh, faster so we created the product backlog prioritized it well uh, created a small design note with respect to each story uh, which talked about how the screen should be we had a ux team who would actually uh, do the initial um, you know the uh, flow of this of the screens uh, through balsamic and it used to be like you can see uh, you can you can interact in that manner they would create it and then what are the columns fields a little bit of uh, description on what is exactly required what validations are required so that was a very small document per story we used to have that and that gave a lot of clarity to the developers so we started in a proper scrum um you know manner and we uh, broke down the requirements in such a way that after each sprint we realize, we would see that it is all the stories are tested and it is ready so in that manner we went ahead and uh, created four scrum teams each of them had their own velocity and uh, the finally the project was really delivered successfully so i would say that um, you know breaking down bringing clarity um closing things early not keeping it to the end when you look at waterfall always you feel yeah there is uh, something we can finish in the end but here we were trying to finish as and when we were going forward and continuously we were regression testing because the whole uh, all the four scrum teams were releasing into one test environment so it really helped to see even for the customers they we could give them a demo uh, time to time from uh, uh, you know at the end of each sprint so it it really helped so it was we we knew where we were it was a true reflection of completion of work see one thing i hear talking to many agile teams is that they say that agile means we are always under pressure okay and with the need for perfection a need for probably matching the third or fourth decimal also in the financial industry how do you ensure that the team focuses on the delivered quality so um initially uh, some uh, you know you it in in agile i feel there is a rhythm that you have to establish and uh, basically sometimes we feel okay two week sprint or a three week sprint uh, whatever works so initially when you started with a two week sprint we felt that the quality was getting totally affected because uh, the delivery was or the code development was happening only towards the last Uh, you know and then we had just a few days to test and then a lot of defects were leaking out and then we had to have additional uh, sprint to have a stabilization for all the releases that we uh, all the sprints that we had completed so uh, it is it is important to focus on quality where uh, within the sprint itself others you leave a lot of technical debt to we solved towards the end and that is something that we avoided by making it a three week sprint and um, you know get getting some more time on testing so we also um, you know uh, established a, a, a mechanism for quality like by uh, not having two big stories like have very small stories so that it can be easily completed and given early for testing it is a struggle i would say and that is why people say there is a lot of pressure 
but if you ensure that there is good amount of uh, grooming done a lot of clarity on the stories are there before you start off the sprint uh then it helps to a very large extent but if you come into the sprint and then you have a lot of clarifications and lot of um you know missing uh, stuff uh, which you need to figure out then you don't have so much time within that uh, time that you have in the sprint so grooming the backlog well uh, bringing good clarity to the stories and uh, uh, understanding the dependencies of each story with the other uh, so that you're not waiting upon somebody all these need to be established it is it is i would say uh, people will say there is pressure but i think over time you get used to clearing all these issues that uh, that the team um, faces and if you do that retrospectives properly and um, you know mitigate or resolve all these um, uh, teething issues then i think it becomes a lot more smoother as you as you go forward and i have heard teams um, that we said that uh, we had set up uh, some of them saying that it, it it has become like a what do you say a habit like now you know this is how you need to work so it is it uh, if you don't work that way uh, you know it's like the bombay life people moving out from uh, mumbai will never like to go will stay in any other place so you get used to that right. rhythm and that kind of pressure so it is nice to have that but i wouldn't say it should become uh, you know too difficult uh, then you will not give the best and you the team has to be self motivated and uh, organized uh, they would get um, close to each other as they work uh, we don't change teams so often in agile so the the team really bonds well and they know how to help each other all that all those characteristics need need to come in as we move forward mm, nice so the question triggered by that when you said it becomes a habit to keep delivering consistently and also that uh, the, the mumbai kind of pressure uh, how does that mm-hmm. fit in with typically women in it because they do have a lot of responsibilities outside work also it is not just in a work and fun alone uh, so is agile hmm. suited for women or how can women contribute their best even working in an agile mode <laughs> good question so um being a woman i think um i have seen uh, and experienced a lot of uh, ladies uh, who definitely uh, are gifted with multi skilling okay so definitely they are able to um, if they have picked up a profession uh, as a, as a software uh, a professional they they are able to deliver uh, within that frame as well as do their uh, work at home but it is not uh, i wouldn't say it is very easy but i have seen uh, many women being very focused when they are at work and uh, and wouldn't they know that they need to move out at a certain time because they have responsibilities elsewhere so from my perspective also i've always been very focused when i come to work i don't want anything to disturb me uh, and uh, finish my work so that i need to go home for the responsibilities that i have so i have seen a lot of ladies who uh, are in that similar mode and when we say agile it is not about uh, planning more than uh, you know the uh, hours that you have in office so you definitely give um, uh, do an 80% you know uh, productivity that you would expect and uh, uh, that should be possible for them so some of them ha- definitely go home and after everything is over they they do their um, remaining if they have some work to do so i think women in it are able to balance but at some times um, definitely they need to uh, slow down maybe 
that's something I was telling one of my colleagues recently that, you know, uh, at some points in life where you have a lot of uh, challenges going on, um, you need to do your work, of course, uh, but don't take up too much additional pressure that, you know, you cannot handle. Then you break uh, so badly that you need to just quit and then you don't come back. So many women have, you know, you need to learn to balance the pressure in such a way that it does not become so overwhelming that you need to really give up. Uh, so you need to keep your uh, career aspirations at some points in your life a little, um, you know, uh, realistic, that I would say. Yeah, so that, that triggers another question, which is uh, the support from family. So for women, how can they you know, get the empathy and the support from family so that they're able to balance this better? Yeah, family plays a very crucial role, I would say, because uh, uh, definitely if you are um, in a joint family, there are a lot of pressures uh, on you, but definitely you get a lot of support from the family too. Uh, I mean, if they're willing to extend a helping hand. And that I have seen in many homes that, uh, you know, parents and uh, in-laws and all of them come home and help the, 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 you know, the young families where they have children and all of that. So support definitely is important. But uh, luckily in India, I would say, um, you know, more than any, uh, any other place abroad, uh, we have a lot of help that we can get uh, from, uh, you know, uh, the uh, people that are people around. Like uh, there are so many agencies that you can get help from also. So um, support from family is very, very important because that oversight that they can give uh, to your family and your children uh, in the early young ages is, is important. That gives you a lot of peace of mind to work in the office without worrying about anything at home so much. So yeah, support from family, I would say, is, uh, is crucial. And I have been lucky to have that through my life. So I would really thank my uh, mom-in-law who has been with me always. Wonderful. So does um, having a spouse also in IT make it easier? Oh, yeah. I, I miss the family when you say definitely spouse. <laughs> yeah. So spouse uh, being in IT, I think for me, I would say it has helped because um, there are many uh, occasions where, you know, it is uh, where I was in a dilemma on certain things. Uh, it is, I mean, it was easier to discuss and get some more thoughts and points on that. So from that intellectual perspective, decision-making aspects also, it was one of the, uh, uh, I mean, it was very, uh, very good for me when I, when I could discuss this openly and without any apprehension with, uh, with, my, with my husband. Uh, with respect to supporting in your career also, it helps to take a direction uh, certain times. They understand the pressures that you go through. Um, and definitely they um, are able to appreciate you know, what you're going through. Again, I said, you have to be realistic. You have to balance things out. You cannot be, um, I mean, you can be a care-oriented person, but at some times you need to be careful that you don't step too hard, too, too ahead. So if you establish that, it is, it is a learning game, of course. It's not easy. It's a balance that you have to establish. But with all that said, I think um, spouse being in IT, for me, it has really helped because it is easy to talk and understand uh, each other better. Yeah, that's nice. Because there's uh, another theme I want to explore in some of the future episodes. We'll probably come back to you with having both you and your husband together uh, to explore sure. that. So a related thing is, uh, yeah, we spoke about uh, other support from family and uh, your husband as well. And, uh, seeing both of you, 
have your children also taking in or uh, getting into IT? <laughs> no. <laughs> both of them have chosen uh, uh, different professions uh, i don't think they um, today i think the world is open for so many uh, new professions uh, that uh, they can explore so um, my son is moving into architecture my da- daughter is too much uh, very much interested in music so she is going in for vocals so they have taken different professions but uh, i wouldn't say that uh, uh that i mean we never try to influence them to to saying that you need to be working uh, uh, moving into engineering or uh, medicine as was uh, in the in the past so today there are a lot of options and, and i think um, most children i know of my, uh, my friends around also have taken new new careers and uh, that i think think is uh, good because uh, i think the world is uh, open and has a lot more opportunities with so much uh, of uh, information available and i think if you are passionate about something uh, they will make it yeah that's encouraging because uh, at one time it used to be everybody was flocking into it effectively sucking yeah. out uh, you know, the manpower from other industries yes so it's good yes, that uh, yes. yeah people are able to find something to do with their passion so other than uh, the work and things like that uh, how do you keep your own balance so yeah sometimes uh, you know uh, life teaches you with uh, with some hard examples i mean hard experiences that you need to maintain a good balance between work and your um, health so yeah so at uh, so what i do is um, i spend a lot of time uh, playing and that is something that i enjoy and i play uh, badminton uh, about four or five days uh, in the evenings uh, a week and i also um, love to sing in the choir so i join the church choir i do that uh, i do a lot of uh, listening of videos uh, audios on technology and various other subjects that talk so that is how i keep myself engaged now very nice so to conclude would you have some tips for the aspiring youngsters who want to get into it so um through my career i think i have seen uh, a change in the uh, attitude so more than knowledge i feel the attitude of uh, people uh, is very very important and i think in the past when i would um, have the uh, you know the young talent join the teams i saw a lot more um, uh, a lot more passion and a lot more dedication uh, in the work and that somehow i felt has been fading i would not generalize it for all but i have seen i mean many times now i feel that you know uh, children uh, who are young talent who's come who are coming in need to really be uh, diligent patient uh learn uh, in their initial years because that is something that has uh, really helped me uh, in from my early years so being very very focused on learning more than anything else uh and setting up a strong foundation for you will take you ahead in your life because if you don't learn in the initial years really well uh, you will uh, you will suffer as you go up so it is important that you start uh you know as you start you really are focused you really are 
wanting to do new things are very motivated whatever be the work that you get because it is not that you will get the best work sometimes but whatever you get if you are able to do that extremely well the good work will come to you so you really need to be focused in that manner and if you do that i think that is something that i would definitely tell the young uh, talent who are uh, joining the it very good ani uh, that is about yeah, uh, thanks. all that i yeah. could uh, think of so are there anything else that uh, you think we should have talked about uh, no i think uh, covered almost everything okay. thanks for the opportunity okay if you like the show and would like to share your experiences with the community or know someone else who might want to do that please get in touch with us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com that is podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com please rate the show on podchaser stitcher iTunes or any other podcast client that you find us on please also share our episodes with your friends and others in your network if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on our show do write to us at this email address podcasts@pm-powerconsulting.com